How's the reading going? <laughs> hey, I expect that. Again, I'm not expecting perfection. I'm expecting daily reflection and not so much concern to get through the whole Bible, read every word. There are times where you're just going to skim a little bit, and that's okay. Um, you probably, if you're on track or if you're following the schedule, you're somewhere in Judges. And as we talked about that last weekend, you look at Judges and you go, who's the hero here? Who's the good guy here? Good question. There aren't a lot. It's a tough book to read. It's, it, to me, the book of Judges this is described in Romans chapter 1 towards the end of the chapter where Paul describes what happens when we live our lives without God. Things don't go well. Now, we're going to talk about Ruth tonight, four chapters. The interesting thing about the book of Ruth is it's written during that same time. Ruth has some incredible principles for us to just look at, and that's what I want to do, but I want to just give you a little bit of background. First thing is you need to understand that the book of Ruth, which is really a story, it's really like you read chapter, and we're going to go through this chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and each part is like there's a there's drama in it. There's, it ends with drama. Well, what's going to happen? It's like those little serials of Superman radio where, you know, what's going to happen next week, you know, type of a thing. And that's how the chapters kind of are. It's kind of an interesting book to read. But I want to read uh, just verse 1, and it's on page 208 of your chair Bible. And this is what it says. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled... There was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judea, together with his wife <clears throat> and with his wife and two sons, went to live in the country of Moab. Now, the main thing I want you to see here is that the, the events in Ruth took place during the time of the book of Judges. That's what I really want you to see here. Now, what's going on here is very interesting. Israel, the nation of Israel, had strong leaders. They had Moses who brought them out of Egypt, brought them at the brink of the land, and then Joshua, General Joshua, brings them into the land. Now Joshua and Moses are gone, and there's really no leaders. I mean, the book of Judges is a good example of what it means when there's no strong leadership and, and how the country, uh, the nation of Israel is just struggling. But that, what that does is it sets us up for what's coming next because as we come in, as we will next weekend, as we come into First and Second Samuel, we're going to see God's going to give them kings. You're going to hear about Saul and then David and Solomon. So you're going to have leadership again. You're going to have kings again. And, and, and at the end of the book of Judges, it says this. And this is probably the key book of the, book, uh, verse of the whole book of Judges. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So, see, they have no king. But you come to First and Second Samuel, and now they get a king. And so strong leadership is coming. So you have strong leadership, then you have no leadership. And then you're going to have strong leadership again. And that's kind of what's going on here. Let's talk about that uh, summary of the book of Ruth. Let's talk about those chapters. So chapter 1, there's <clears throat> Naomi, who really is the main character, and I know the book is called Ruth. Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. But the, really, the book is about Naomi. And she and her husband, Elimelech, 
they sell their property in Bethlehem and they move to the land of Moab, the country of Moab, because there's a famine and they need food and they don't have any food. So they sell their land for money so that they can travel to Moab so that they could survive. They take their two sons um, and so they, they travel to Moab. Now, while they're in Moab, their two sons marry. They get married. And one of their sons marries Ruth. And you'll hear more about her in a moment. Now, shortly thereafter, time uh, transpires, and it's really not part of the book, but it is. Her two sons die. Both her sons die. To make matters worth, worse, her husband dies. So now, Naomi is left with her two daughter-in-laws. That's not really a good thing. It has nothing to do with their relationship, but it has to do with survival. Uh, In that day, women depended upon men, especially mothers depended on their sons and their husbands. And now she's lost not only her husband, but she's lost her sons. So Naomi makes probably the, the wise decision uh, the, the decision of survival, she determines she, has, she needs to leave Moab and return back to Bethlehem, her hometown, because she feels like that's my only chance to survive. So she tells her daughters-in-law, she says, why don't you stay here with your people because your best chance of survival is there. But Ruth, and the, the, the one daughter-in-law says, okay, I'm out of here. But Ruth says, no, 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 I'm going to go with you. And I want to read you that that portion of Scripture. It's found in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Uh, Where I go, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Now, we, you may have been to weddings where you've heard the first part of that verse between a man and a wife. Well, this is between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. She's saying, I'm following you. Your gods will be my gods. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving my gods, and I'm going to come with you. Tremendous. She said, even death will not separate us. Even death will not separate us. I'll keep my word. I'll keep my word. So they both returned to Bethlehem. Naomi, because she's gone through such difficult time, is hardly recognizable because of her years of hardship and pain. Her words to the women of Bethlehem are very telling. And she says this at the end of chapter 1. She says, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Now, she's obviously not talking about food. She's talking about her family. And then she says, why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So at the end of chapter 1, you see Naomi's return to her hometown, a broken woman, a bitter woman. What's going to happen? Well, chapter 2. So you come to chapter 2, and we see Ruth, she begins to glean out in the fields of Boaz. They have to eat, so uh, Naomi sends Ruth out to the fields. Now, there's some traditions that we have to explain. In the Old Testament, 
Landowners, farmers, were required to leave a portion, the edges of their fields, for the poor and for the indigent. They were there so that the poor would have food, and they were allowed to glean or gather on the edges. So a farmer was told uh, uh, not to take all of his field. He was to leave a portion for the poor. And so Naomi sends Ruth out to glean in a field, and Ruth picks a field that happens to belong to a gentleman named Boaz. There's a name if you're thinking of a name for a boy, Boaz. You know, nobody will ever pick that one probably. Uh, But so Ruth is out there and she's gathering, and it's dangerous out there because, number one, she's a Moabitist, and Moabites are hated by the Jews. Number two, she's a woman. So uh, there's concern about her safety. Boaz sees her gathering, and he immediately shows her favor. He, he in fact, brings her and says, you know what you can do? You can, you, can, you can reap with the harvesters. You can go right with my harvesters and gather in grain. So she gathers all this grain together, and she ends up going home, and Naomi is just stunned. I mean, she has more grain than she should ever have. But it's interesting, the, 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 the writer of the books basically says, by chance, by chance, Bez, she just happened to pick this one field. And uh, the writer wants you to see that there's something going on there, that it wasn't by chance at all. So Ruth reports back to her mother-in-law in chapter 2 and verse 19, and this is what we read. Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working The name of the man that I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemer. Remember that phrase, kinsman redeemer. It's pretty important in the book of Ruth. So from Ruth's account, Naomi remembers that Boaz is this this close family uh, relative. And now the parcel of land, remember at chapter 1, the parcel of land that she and her husband sold to get money to go to Moab? And uh, now that parcel of land is up for sale. And it was written in the law that the land needed to stay with the family. And so they had what they would call kinsman redeemer. These were relatives. And your responsibility as a kinsman redeemer, if you had a a brother or sister or somebody that was in trouble, your job was to assist them and help them. And if they sold their land, you you were called on to buy it back for them so they wouldn't lose it. It wouldn't transfer ownership. So the parcel of land is coming up. And the question that comes in is, what's going to happen? Who is going to... uh, Who is going to redeem the land, bring the land back, rescue the land for them? Now, this phrase, kinsman redeemer, the the Hebrew word is goel. Goel is the Hebrew word. And it is usually a prominent male in extended family. He's usually the official guardian of the family's honor. Um, If there was an occasion that arose, he would be the one to avenge. If somebody was murdered, uh, a murdered relative, this Goel was the one who was supposed to go out and seek justice. Um, He would buy back the family's land sold in times of hardship. This is found in Leviticus 25, verses 23 through 28. By the way, as you're reading through Leviticus and you said, oh man, what's going on here? Well, 
What's going on here in one portion, this portion, is what do you do when the land gets sold and how does that come back? That, those are the rules, and you could find that in Leviticus. Now, he could pay the redemption price for the family members who were also sold in slavery because sometimes they would sell themselves as servants to, to survive. Now, if the, uh, person, uh, if the person who needed help were a single man or a widower, uh, they were eligible to marry. So he could revive the family lineage when someone died without, uh, w- without a, an heir by marrying the widow and fathering the offspring. And the offspring would inherit the land. Now, in Naomi's case, if a kinsman uh, was to redeem Naomi in her land, um, she would be, they would be required ultimately, and this is what Boaz is going to work out, that the, the, they would not marry Naomi because they married Naomi, basically. It would mean there would be no children. They would have to marry Ruth because to redeem Naomi, not just get the land back, but there had to be a generation to live on the land. So Ruth, the daughter-in-law, would be part of the contract so you didn't just get the land you got Ruth plus the land, or the land plus Ruth, however you want to put it. So at the end of chapter 2, you see now God is working behind the scenes, and that's the whole she chanced to be in, uh, in, in uh, Boaz's field. Chapter 3, Ruth does something that seems culturally very strange to us. And maybe it'll work for you, I don't know. But Ruth goes to Boaz while he's sleeping one night, and he, she pulls his cover up uh, over his feet and puts it on herself. And, of course, he wakes up and startles, because you would do that, wouldn't you, if somebody showed up in where you're sleeping and did that? And it wasn't in, improper at all. What was going on there was Ruth was proposing, ultimately, to Boaz. She was saying to Boaz, I am asking you to cover me, to marry me. And so Boaz understands what she's doing. Boaz is, 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 is a little bit older, quite a bit older than Ruth, but he is uh, enamored with her. We don't know that until the end of the book. But he's basically saying, what Ruth is saying is, will you be our Goel, our kinsman redeemer? That's really what she's asking of Boaz. And so we, the question is, what will Boaz do? Will he be honorable? Well, we find out that Boaz turned out that he did love Ruth and he was eager to fulfill the kinsman obligation, but there was one problem. So we come to the end of the chapter, chapter 3, and there's a problem. Boaz is willing to do it, but he's not the closest kinsman. There's another man who is a closer kinsman redeemer. So chapter 4 begins, and Boaz is going out to the city gate where all the business is taking place, and he approaches the kinsman redeemer, the closer kinsman redeemer, and he says, oh, by the way, there's some land. And Naomi is uh, responsible for the land, and the kinsman redeemer's thinking, this is great, this woman's too old to have children, I'll marry her, I'll get her land, it'll be mine. The only problem is Boaz basically says, uh, it's not quite that, that simple. There's a little bit more to it. Here's what's going on. The daughter-in-law, you need to marry her. So if you want the land, you have to marry Ruth. Now, he wanted the land, but he didn't want Ruth. So he says to Boaz, pass. You can have it. And then he does something that's, um, well, let me read you that portion 
He wanted the land, but not Ruth. Now, interestingly enough, Boaz wanted Ruth and didn't really care about the land. <laughs> so it was a perfect deal for him. Now, the book, the book ends with a... Uh, well, let me just tell you. So at the end of the deal, this, this closer kinsman redeemer basically says to Boaz, you can have the land. So he pulls his sandal off and gives it to Boaz. You know, what's going on here? Well, the idea there is that I'm giving you my sandal, the land that, that, that I have a claim on, so to speak. I'm giving that claim to you so that you can walk on this land. This land is now yours. You can walk on it. And so the, this, this sandal was a symbol that you now own this. You, you can walk on it. You have my sandal, my blessing. So that's what's going on there. The book of Ruth ends with a very interesting passage in Ruth uh, 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth to become his wife, and then he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Uh, now, by the way, all the children that were born to Ruth and Boaz, they're, 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 they would be the the ones who would inherit the land. Boaz would really not inherit the land. The land would go to, uh, really, Naomi, her grandchildren, okay? So then uh, it says, The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than seven sons has given him birth. Now, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but here's the point. The, the book resolves itself in a sense. Now, Naomi has this kinsman redeemer. She's saved, and, and God has worked out behind the scenes and brought that all about. Now, here's what I want to do the rest of our time. We only have a little bit of time to do this. I think it's amazing that in these four chapters there's so many really important lessons, and I'm going to only hit on a few of them, but let me hit four of them tonight. Number one, I want to challenge you to join others in the journey of life. We need to join each other. Ruth became an incredible friend to Naomi at a great risk and expense to herself. She was leaving everything that she knew, everything that she was comfortable, everything that was dear to her, and she was making a step of faith towards Naomi. Notice... Uh, the women, what they said in verse uh, 14. The woman said to Naomi, Praise to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May you become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Now notice what they say. Your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given birth. Now, seven sons, that's the perfect family. That's the perfect... God couldn't bless you more than giving you seven sons because seven sons was a sign of completeness. It was a sign that you're covered. You're, God is taking care of you. And what these women were saying was very interesting. They were saying it was counterintuitive to the culture in that day. They're saying, God gave you a daughter who was better than seven sons. You were looking for this, Naomi. We were looking for this special family, this perfect family. And God gave you something even different. He gave you something... You weren't even expecting this, but he gave you something. He came, through the, the, he came through and did something totally different, but it's much, much better than even what you dreamed. God did that for you. So the woman are saying to Naomi, your daughter is worth seven sons. She is better than the perfect family. Naomi, who was left with nothing, found God could bless her with something better than she ever dreamed. But it came to her in a surprising way through a daughter-in-law who she was ready to dismiss. You know, we all need somebody. And that's why God created the church. 
The New Testament is constantly calling us to look out for one another, to care for one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens. Our lives are changed by our friendships. And that's what we heard this morning, or this, this evening, wasn't it? We heard about how our lives began to change as we got connected with others. So I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you to find a friend because you need them. Find a friend. God has friends out there for you. But you may have to go out and find them. Or maybe what you need to do is be a friend to somebody. Be a friend because somebody needs you. And that's what the church is all about. The church is all about giving and receiving. So the question I want you to take away first is, is there someone around you who needs you? Is there somebody around you who needs you, needs you to be a friend, needs you to take a risk, needs you to, to, to make a, 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 take a step of faith, to give of yourself, to sacrifice yourself in some way? Or maybe you're on the other end. Will you allow, because some of you are so closed, you say, well, I'll do it myself. I don't need any help. Don't help me, you know. Maybe you're the kind of person who needs to say, well, I let other people in. Because they've been trying, but I won't let them in. So that's the first lesson. Secondly, trust in the hand of God. The book of Ruth is, is amazing because it downplays the hand of God. But the hand of God is powerfully demonstrated behind the scenes. Uh, scenes. It says in verse 3, So Ruth went out, she began, and this is chapter 2 where she's out gleaning in Boaz's field. And she's in a field behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she found herself in a field belonging to Boaz just turned out that way. Just, there's a lucky coincidence. No, that's what the, the writer wants you to see. No, 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 no. You know, basically, Naomi's saying, where's God? And what, God is, what is God doing? He's working his master plan behind the scenes. All things work together for good for those who love God, called according to his purpose. That's what's going on in the book of Ruth. This is a literary device to show that God is working behind the scenes. Ruth just happened to be working in Boaz's field. God is working even when we don't see him. Even when things were going wrong, he still had a plan. The question is, will Naomi trust him? Although the book, you know, all through the book, we see God moving in hearts, bringing together a plan, a solution, a way of salvation. We come to the end of the book, and da-da, there's a solution. And God was working every step of the way. Every step of the way, God was working. God was doing more than merely finding a kinsman redeemer. And it's very interesting because you come to the book of Ruth. It ends with, you know, well, Ruth has a son. But you know what? If you go to Matthew 1, we don't have time to do it today. But if you go to Matthew 1, you find Ruth and Boaz in the lineage of Jesus. Somebody from Moab. In the lineage of a Jew, the hated Moabites is part of the lineage of the Messiah? Yeah, absolutely. God is using weakness to bring his power, to bring his salvation, to bring his redemption. Ruth 4.17 says, Then Ruth took the child, she laid him on her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed, and he, he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And we know David was the father of, ultimately, Jesus, the Messiah. 
<laughs> We're going to talk about David next weekend. But see, you look... Be- Here's the point. You, you can't look beyond the circumstances of your life without faith. When life gets tough, don't assume God is punishing you. Allow the Spirit of God to take the Word of God to show you His love, His care, and His faithfulness. Only God can help you find this kind of faith when things are going wrong in your life. How can you have hope for the future? By allowing God's Spirit through His Word to show you His promises. You, you, you can't self-manufacture hope. You can't do it. You may be here and you feel hopeless. Well, hope is going to come as you allow the Spirit of God to bring the Word of God to your heart and give you hope beyond your circumstances. That's why He gave us His Word, so that we would have hope. But that hope comes as we allow the Spirit of God to bring the Word to our hearts, to our minds. Only faith will allow you to trust the hand of God moving behind the scenes. So the question is, are you willing to trust the hand of God and to see it still working in the midst of your life, even though things may be going wrong and bad and hard? See, Naomi came to a point and says, I'm bitter. At the end of the book, the lady said, now you're blessed, right? (laughs) Here's the third thing we want to draw from this book. Be the faithful remnant. You know, the book of Ruth shows us that even in this dismal period of time, of time of the judgment, God still has faithful followers. It's hard. You go through the book of Judges. Who's a hero? No, there are no heroes. You go to the book of Ruth. I see three heroes. I see three faithful followers. I see, see, I see Naomi, I see Ruth, and I see Boaz. As a, of how God can use his faithful followers. Not everyone, you know, it says in, in, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did what they saw fit except for these three people. They kind of followed God's plan, so to speak. You see, not everyone lived as, with no thought of God. Here's an example of God's remnant that is always present. Ruth makes that claim to Naomi at the beginning. She says, I'm going to follow your God. I'm going to go after your God. I want to go with you because you have something that I don't have. You see, God is still looking for faithful followers. He's not looking for superstars. You know, he's interested in empowering his faithful followers. You know, many people today, and I'm talking about Christians, they want a quick fix. They want to swing to the fences. But God is looking for long-term faith, a walk with him. He's looking for a base hit. He's looking for people who are faithful followers, who will love their wives, they'll love their husbands, who will choose to be good friends, who will leverage their resources for his kingdom, who will share the good news with their sphere of influence, with their friends and neighbors and co-workers, who will love their kids by setting reasonable boundaries and keeping them, who will love the local church with all of its flaws. The church is flawed. Why? Because you go, go here. It's your fault. And it's my fault. Who deal with conflict directly and biblically. That's what God's looking for. Faithful followers. So let me ask you, will you be that faithful follower even though we're living in days similar to the judges where people are just choosing to determine what to do for themselves? 
Would you say, you know what? I'm going to look to God and say, what does God want me to do here? How does God want me to respond to this conflict? How does God want me to respond to this situation in my family? How does God want me to respond ethically at work? How does God want me to respond with my money, my time, my talent, my treasure? How does God want me to respond? Maybe I ought to look at and see what God says. Because God isn't looking for home run hitters. He's looking for people who hit base hits. So bunt, get on base. Because in the end, what does he say? What do we want to hear him say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. All right, number four. Look for the kinsman redeemer. Uh, the book of Ruth is really about Naomi looking for the kins, her kinsman redeemer. In the book, though, there's really two kinsman redeemer. One is, obviously, Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer, but it's pointing to an ultimate kinsman redeemer. It's, it's pointing to an ultimate redeemer. You see, we all need a redeemer. The woman said to Naomi, this is Ruth 4.14, Praise be to the Lord who has this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Ruth's child became famous. Now, Ruth's child became famous not because of anything they did, but because of who came after them, David, ultimately, and ultimately, the Messiah. You read Matthew 1 and you see Ruth and Boaz in the genealogy. That's, most Jewish people would read that saying, what is going on here? You don't put women in genealogies. You don't put people from Moab in there. That's just, well, you do if you understand what's going on here. Matthew 1 says this, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David. And then it says, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. He's in the book. <laughs> She's in the book. Now, interestingly enough, where was Ruth's baby born? Bethlehem. Where was the kinsman redeemer, the ultimate kinsman redeemer born? Bethlehem. Kind of interesting. Let me just draw a couple parallels between Jesus. Jesus, like Ruth, she left her home, she left her familiar surroundings, and she says, I'm going to go follow and be with you. Jesus left his home above. Ruth left her life in Moab for Naomi. Jesus left his life in heaven for us. Ruth said to Naomi, nothing but death will part me from you. Jesus Christ said, even death will not part me from you. My death will make sure that we will never be separated again death and resurrection. Boaz willingly paid uh, Ruth and Naomi's debt. Jesus willingly paid our debt. When Boaz married Ruth, his wealth became her wealth. When Jesus uh, reached out and united with us, so his wealth became our wealth. Like Boaz, our flesh and uh, like Boaz, uh, Jesus is our flesh and blood. Why? It's interesting. Jesus did not come and say, this is how you should live. You're doing it all wrong. Let me tell you how you should do it. No. What did Jesus do? Jesus came and he didn't tell us how to live. He lived it. He didn't say, you should live like this. He demonstrated it. He lived like it. He lived the good life for us. He took our transgressions and gave us his righteousness. Ruth was a great friend. 
Jesus is the greatest friend. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has covered us with his garment. Ruth, uh, Boaz covered Ruth with his garment. Jesus covered us with his garment. All of his spiritual wealth is now ours. In, in the sight of the Father, we are loved and valued now. And until we see ourselves like this, we will try to be acceptable. But we're already accepted by him. Little book, but boy, does it have a, does it pack a big punch, doesn't it? There's a lot there. So I hope you'll take something from this book and say, God, speak to my heart. Change me through this little book of Ruth. May, maybe I'll become a better friend. Maybe uh, you know, I'll understand that I'm accepted, not because of what I've done, but because of what he did for me. Maybe I'll understand that I'm, I'm so beyond wealth. Maybe, maybe what I need to see is God is working behind the scenes, even though I don't see it. I don't know what it will be for you, but I pray the Holy Spirit will take a part of this book, a message from this book, bring it to your heart, and encourage you in your, in your walk with God. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, I pray that. I pray that uh, your word would speak to our hearts in some way tonight. Because your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It could speak to the very core issues of our lives and our souls and our hearts. I pray that we be good soil, Father, that the seed of your word, whatever it's bringing up, whatever it's producing, it might uh, bring hope or help or healing or correction maybe, Father. I don't know. Thank you, Father, for the kinsman redeemer, the one who spread his garment over us, the one who left his home for us, the one who became an incredible friend by giving his very life. We are so grateful. We are so thankful. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name.